want to just tell you that we love you, we're thankful for you, and we want to connect with you. So if you desire to get connected or to reach out to us for any reason, we want you to go to the website resonatelife.org. You can fill out the connection card that is right on the homepage of resonatelife.org. Or you can directly message one of us. Becky, Pastor Becky, uh, navigates through our broadcast notes and also the chat. And so she is available even right now in real time. Uh, she wants to connect with you if you desire to get connected with our church. I want to send out some thank yous this morning. Uh, first, I want to just say thank you to Tara Baker. Tara is uh, one of our um, members here. She uh, has attended for quite a number of years, and she decided through the last several months to start a cohort of young people, students, that are doing the online at-home education through the school district and needs support. And so her uh, dedication to these kids that meet at our church here down at this building uh, really is fantastic, and I just wanted to say thank you, Tara, for your investment in our children, the ones that are a part of that cohort. She has invested in young people for a very long time, being a college professor um, and such, and I'm excited for what our students are going to learn. And she is an example of several other families that I know, like Shannon Miller, the Miller family, runs a small cohort in their garage of all places. And so it's really awesome to see some of the teachers that are out there that are having to transition and change during this season to still invest and dedicate their lives and their efforts and their time to our, to our kids. And so it's a huge task that, um, that we have ahead of us when it comes to school. And so I, I want to send a thank you out to the parents, the parents that are navigating this time and investing in your children, trying to do school at home, trying to work and do school at home, trying to navigate through what you do during the day when the kids are supposed to be at school, now they're at home on Zoom chats and such, and I'll just, uh, just send a word that we are praying for you, we're thankful for you, and we lift you up during this time. I also want to say thank you to Matt Miller. Matt Miller has been our lead on the worship uh, team and ministry, and I just want to give a special announcement that over the last 20 months, uh, Matt has done a great job in investing in our worship and leading our worship ministry, and he's been in charge of just basically the Sunday morning, what you see here via this broadcast, but also when we do live as well, and whether it be scheduling or putting teams together or navigating through the spiritual care of our worship team. And so after after a seasonal change. We're seeing that Shannon Miller, his wife, is going back to school. She's also leading this cohort. She's also teaching full-time uh, full Spanish sub at uh, the middle school. And so with all of those things happening along with his full-time job, he's needing to make a change. And so stepping out of that role, we honor him for that. He's going to be with this role until the end of the month. And we're just asking God right now and praying through 
that transition time and what that can look like for us and what our needs are as we all are super busy and especially with his needs, he's become super busy stepping out of that role and finding just a, a God direction for what we need at our church during this season because life certainly has, has changed, as you all know, and you all are experiencing in real time. Um, that worship just spoke to me, so thank you. Uh, Kevin Doherty uh, leading us this morning and go tell it to the masses um, scream it from the mountains. Um, yeah, geez, going to start crying. Anyway, um, I just needed that this morning, and I hope that you did, you did too. If you have access to communion elements, I want you to go grab those now. If you have some juice and some bread or wine and some bread, uh, we want to grab that from wherever you are, and if you could prepare those, I'm going to have a short intro. You can turn your volume up on your device. Go grab those as we do each and every Sunday. We take communion together as a family, and, and so go ahead and grab those now. At the end of my sermon time, we'll be taking communion together. We light this candle each and every week, and Pastor Becky gave me a new lighter today, it looks like, and there we go. Okay, so this represents the light of Christ in the darkness, the light of Christ in us and around us and for us. And the reason why we light this each and every week is just a reminder. It's a reminder that God is for us and with us, that even though we are going through, you can name it, all the, the seasons and all the things that we've had to endure, uh, even though those things are very difficult and very hard, and even life itself is difficult, and then you pile on crisis on top of just the normal of, of life, going to work every day and caring for our children and investing in relationships and all that we have going on in our lives. You stack on top of that crisis and, and a little bit of potential chaos, and life becomes pretty dark. And I would say that in our emotions are fragile, our nerves are on edge and really to the top of our skin, and people are responding in certain ways that are difficult and maybe abrasive and maybe really poor decisions or just really try, just having a hard time navigating through life. And I just want us all to remember in this season, as the sun is out and the skies are blue and most of us went outside and just had to take in a ray of sunshine and look at the blue sky for the first time maybe in you know a while, and I just want us to re remind ourselves that Jesus is with us no matter what. Even in the darkest and the most melancholy and the most hardest of times, the light of Christ is, is in you, even when you don't believe it is. Even when you deny maybe that it is, that Jesus is still standing there, even amongst the chaos, wanting us and desiring us to follow him. So before we get started, I just want to remind us that we are a community that loves like Jesus, that this Jesus that lives inside of us loves the whole world, loves us 
for just who we are, our person, that he created us, that we are who we are, and he loves us right where we are at. And God tells us to love God and to love people, and I think that that is strengthened through some of these core values as a community that we have, through daily devotion, through prayer, expressing freedom from strongholds, serving the community, uh, expression of sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing each other's stories, and celebration. And when we just focus on those things and grow those things in our life, the one thing that I've noticed that has come out of me that I'm really striving as life has been difficult and people have been difficult in my life is when I focus on those core values, my relationship with Jesus grows stronger and I'm able to express grace and love more. And if you find yourself really struggling right now, I just want to encourage you to walk through that list of core values and maybe take one and implement it into your life as a rhythm. Maybe it's prayer, maybe it's daily devotion, maybe it's working on your strongholds in your life that you feel held down by. I'm not saying that these things are gonna work yourself to some kind of salvation. I think that the fruit of the Spirit can be expressed in our life more when we focus on these things and that will be expressed in love and in grace. So we're going to cover Philippians 3, just the beginning part of the chapter. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to that. They are going to be on the screen. But I do desire for you to navigate through Scripture. And so if you have a phone device or a paper Bible, uh, we want you to pull those out now and turn to Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I want one idea to make sure that we have this one idea in, in, our, in our minds and in our lives. It's a fact of what Jesus teaches, what the Bible teaches in general, is that doing more does not increase your chance of salvation. So I'm going to pause and repeat that again because we are doers and a lot of us are leaders and a lot of us are busy and a lot of us find value and significance and, and a sense of peace even when we do more. A lot of us are drivers. A lot of us are, you know, that, that kind of personality. And one thing that I want to remind us before we start is doing more does not increase your chance of salvation. It might, it might increase your chance of helping people more. It might increase your chance of doing good more. It might even, even increase your chance of being accepted by people more. Yet, it does not increase our chance by acceptance of Jesus more. Jesus doesn't accept us by what we do. He accepts us just by who we are, that we are a human being. So many times we do things, and we do things in order to effectuate change because we want things to change. We want things to be better. We want to do good in the world. Just remember that the goodness that we do and the things that are expressed with our hands and feet and words right in life come from the inside. It comes from the heart, that out of the heart we do things, out of the heart our actions, our deeds, the things that the goodness that we do is expressed. So if we're struggling with doing good or we're struggling with 
um, expressing love in our lives and we see anger and we see frustration and we're insulting to others and we, we are snide or whatever our attitude is. Maybe we just have an attitude of hardness um, in our life. We need to look at the inward things. We need to look at the inward change. We need to look at the heart, what's going on inside of us. Do I believe that sometimes doing things affects the inward? Yes. Yet, that's a growth issue. That sometimes we have to do good in order to like, experience what goodness is like and to be attracted to that goodness, to want our insides to grow to goodness. I think that's how it changes us from the outside in. Yet our expression of good, not the reminder of good, our expression of good comes from the inside out. And that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3, that it's not this outward expression, it's not this, it's not this uh, outward act or deed or uh, tradition that we might have, it's the inward value of grace in our life. It's the inward value of love that works from the inside and is expressed to the outside. So Paul wants people and these people, the Church of Philippi, he wants these people to know Jesus. And that is our first and foremost, and that's why Kevin's uh, song pick this morning just like spoke, because it just like went along with this sermon that that we want to preach it to the masses, we want to scream it from the mountains that he is God, that Jesus is God. And when we realize and accept and embody that idea and that knowing, but also to know that person of Jesus, when we know the person of Jesus, uh, that changes things. It changes our minds. We're transformed and renewed, like Romans says. We're renewed in our, in our minds, and, and then therefore, we then make the world a better place from the inside from the inside out. And so he wants people, he's screaming it from the mountains and telling it to the masses that he is God, that Jesus is God. That's what Paul wants with this church, but he wants that for the entire world for all, for all time. So you have to remember that when Jesus was calling his disciples, he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make. That's an important idea where he says, come and, and follow me and I will make. I will make. He's not saying you will make. He's saying, I will make you different. I will change you from the inside out. So this is what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. So then, my brothers and sisters, be glad in the Lord. It's not trouble for me to repeat the same things to you because they will help keep you on track. Watch out for the, quote, dogs. Watch out for people who do evil things. Watch out for those who insist on circumcision which is really mutilation. We are the circumcision. We are the ones who serve by God's spirit and who boast in Christ Jesus. We don't put our confidence in ritual performed by the, rituals performed by the body. Though I have good reason to have this kind of confidence, if anyone else has reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. 
I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I'm a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even before, beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost, I think, of a, of a sewer, of, as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ, I have a righteousness that is not my own and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith, the righteousness that have, I have the righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and their participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. So certainly the Christian life has an outward appearance. It does have an outward appearance. From an outward appearance, people see us as maybe do-gooders or not do-gooders, right? And people look and perceive people's deeds and judge people's deeds as good or bad. So the Christian experience, whether people perceive it as good or bad, that's an outward perception. That's an outward experience. And so many times... Many times, like James says, faith without works or faith without deeds is, is dead. Um, that's true because if you have faith and you're building and, and you're, you're, um, you're developing your relationship with Jesus, he changes our hearts from the inside and that will result in an expression of deeds which are, which are good. But Paul basically takes this idea of outward appearance or doing good, trying to build yourself to a salvation or trying to build yourself to a good reputation, right? Trying to win people, playing to win, basically. Uh, he takes that and he calls that sewer trash. He basically says that it's nothing in comparison to a relationship with Christ. He says it's nothing in comparison to the inward experience. And so that, that is basically his, his um, focus point of this passage, that we would ultimately be focused on a relationship with Jesus so that, and the result then is James' faith that works is uh, righteousness, is the righteousness of, of Christ. So let's talk about fakes for a moment. There's, there's a lot of fakes in the world that people fake who they are and people fake um, doing good so that people will like them more. And that, that's, kind of our, that's kind of our social disease, that we want people to like us. So we do good so that people will like us. We don't necessarily... Um, have a, we have a hard time in our culture in general. I'm not like accusing you of this, but in our culture in general, we have a hard time with this idea of we want people to like us. 
We also have a hard time in the, in the like the 5% of, of culture that says, I don't care what people think about me. And we walk through life just hurting people because we don't care, right? I, I think that Paul is not discounting our actual outward expression by saying, well, you just need to focus on what's the inside. He's saying our outward expression really is a thermometer of what's going on inside. And if we're just jerks out there and we're just doing... Like, and we're fakes out there. People can see through that. People see, um, they see our fakeness, per se. And so what happens inside and the change that we experience inside will be expressed in an authentic way on the outside. And people can see right through that. So his example, just because you get circumcised, just because you have the foreskin of your penis cut off, that doesn't really tell me anything about what's going on in the heart. That really doesn't tell me what's going on inside of your soul and inside of your mind. That's just a surgical procedure. You can go through the surgical procedure if you want, and, and we can perform that, but that doesn't tell me anything about your salvation. That doesn't tell me anything about your relationship with Jesus. That doesn't tell me anything about the righteousness that's going on inside of you. That's just an expression on the outside. That's just... A tradition. And I think that we do things a lot of times uh, because we have to um, based on tradition of family, culture, the people around us, the influencing people, the influencers in our life. We do things because they told me I had to, or we put each other under should contracts where we say, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this other. We put people under that contract um, and and that's not the contract that Paul is saying that we, we are to have. We're to have a covenant with Christ, and then our outward expression of deeds will be the expression of that relationship with, with Jesus. So we're saved by grace. We know that from Ephesians 2. We are forgiven by grace, and we know that from the Old and the New Testament, not just the New Testament. We are forgiven by grace. We mature and we're sustained by grace through, like when I read Philippians 2 again, where I see that God is working in you to give you the will and the power to do what he has called you to do. So we're sustained by grace. We experience freedom in grace. And so that's like Matthew 11. Come, those who are tired and weary, and I will give you I will give you that rest, that ultimate eternity that he's talking about. Uh, we, we offer grace because of our grace that we experience. So that is the, the law of proportionate love and grace. So we will offer grace as we uh, experience pure grace. We will offer pure grace to others and learn to forgive and give grace and learn to apologize and reconcile and restore relationships in our life. Uh, and God's grace restores us. God's grace not only restores us as individuals, but God's grace restores relationships. And then in Romans, it says we are transformed by, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of culture and the world, but be transformed by this renewing of mind. And that, that metaphor, the renewing of the mind is like, it's like wash your brain, right? 
So when we wash our brains with the pure water, when we focus on our relationship with Jesus, like almost like being baptized every day, experiencing that washing of, of water, is that that's when we are transformed by grace into his perfect and pleasing, it says in Romans, his perfect and pleasing will. We grow up and mature by grace, growing in grace in our knowledge of the Lord, like in Second Peter. And then we're healed. The brokenhearted will bind up our wounds. We see that in Psalm. We're healed by his, his grace. So Paul knows all of this scripture. He's pretty, I mean, he's pretty knowledgeable about how God saves, why God saves, and how we're restored and healed and sustained and liberated. He understands that pretty well. And he says, by grace, through the grace of God, through the grace, through Jesus Christ, we are saved, we're liberated, we're sustained, we're healed, we're restored, we're transformed. He understands all of that. And he says this, that that grace inside of you is is the focus. It's not the, the circumcision, the outward expression. It's not what you do. It's not your traditions. It's not what your mom and dad said or grandparents or cousins, aunts, whoever it was that said it put you under should contract in life. Um, that's really hard. I just take a side note here. Should contracts come from all kinds of places. And, and should contracts happen at work, happen in friendships, happen... I'm in church, happen in families, really strong should contracts in, in families. There is, there's a lot of pressure. And should contracts, the central idea of a should contract is shame. When you put somebody under a should contract, you should be doing that. The, the motivation is you're shaming that person into doing something or shaming them into acting a, a different way. The opposite of a should contract or shame is grace. And we, we need to be speaking grace for change, not shooting people uh, with shame to change. Maybe we'll change for a while. I don't change for long term through shame. I don't change for a lifetime through shame. The only way to change me, if you want to change me uh, and, and I want to change you, the only way that we're going to experience change, number one, I'm not going to change you and you're not going to change me. The only way that we're going to experience, let's put it that way, change inside of ourselves is through this idea of grace. And that grace comes from our communities, it comes from our workplaces, it comes from our leaders and mentors, it comes from those that we're mentoring, it comes from our friends, that we would experience grace for the sake of, of change. So Paul is really emphasized on this. He says we need to experience grace in order to have an expression of our, of our deeds and our love and our grace towards others. So we need to look out, and we need to take an assessment. I think that inventory is, is good. I think that we need to uh, take an inventory of our actions, even get a piece of paper and just brainstorm out um, my daily, right? And almost inventory your daily. And if you find yourself 
most of the day frustrated, most of the day insecure, most of the day, like maybe kind of take an inventory of the good and the bad things that you said or did in life. If you find that you're imbalanced in your life of frustration or anger or insecurity or anxiety, I know that there's medical reasons for such things like depression and such, and I think we need to address those with our counselors and our, um, our therapy and get into counseling if we need counseling. Yet for everybody, we need to take an inventory. And if that inventory speaks something different besides the fruit of the Spirit, I think we need to look out and say, okay, what are the things that need to change inside of my heart? And we need to look to God and look to our very closest people that we're the most vulnerable with, express that, ask for help, ask for prayer, um, to be, to be built up. I think the church is notorious, notorious for looking at outside behavior and shaming people into change. Uh, if I take that inventory, not, shame is not going to change my inventory. Shame is not going to change my outward expression. I might not express it to you that shamed me, I'll just express it to others that, that uh, you know, I, my next, I guess, victims in life that I, that I express my poor behavior on. But the church is notorious for if you have an outward expression or a sin in your life or something that you've made a mistake and, and you know, we declare it sinner, you know, and we parade you on stage, which we have done in, like, like the history of the church, excommunication, things like that. They used to assess people um, in church, and you would go to the pastor, and you would sit down, and before the, the Sunday uh, gathering, you would sit down with the pastor, and the pastor would give you a coin. And it was like a, it was like a, a, a just a notification, a emblem, a reminder that you are worthy. So you would kind of go to a confession type thing and, and that pastor would hand you a coin. And they would stand at the front of the churches with brass like buckets. And you would walk to the front of the church and you would take your coin and you would slam it in the bucket. And if people could hear that, you were allowed to take communion. I'll just let that sit for a moment. Could you imagine <laughs> at Resonate meeting with Kevin on a weekly basis and me handing you a coin and you're going to slam it in a bucket at the front of the church and then you could take communion? I, I think about the things that, that the, the church in general has done. What a, what a fear-based, shame-based environment that is, and when you think about like, okay, that act and just the noise of that, and the, it reminds me of just a clanging gong, you know, that, that how can you even hear the voice of God in all of that? You know, just, it's just sometimes craziness when I think about the traditions of the church. It was that sign of wor I'm worthy to take uh, the Last Supper. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know even what to do with that, even right now as I'm, I'm talking about it. That's just, that's just nuts. Uh, I don't think that we're that far off from that. I don't think that we're that far off from the coin in the bucket mentality. 
I think that we look at people's outward behavior and we make serious judgment calls on people's lives. I deal with people every day. And when somebody gets angry at me because of their latte, or somebody gets angry at me because of you know this, this or that was just not perfect, usually that's a sign of just a displeasing or an angst that they may have in, in general. And I'm talking about not, hey, this doesn't taste right. Could you like replace this for me? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when somebody just goes off about their latte. There's a lot more important things to go off about than lattes. And I can give you a list of those if you need something else to go off besides going off about your, you know, your meal or your, your latte, right? I mean, there's just more important things to focus on. Uh, I would say dealing with people's just general angst is, is there's something going on on the inside. But we judge people's angst. And we look at them and go, wow, that's just an angry person, or that's just a frustrated boy, they need some help, or wow, what a jerk, you know? And so we just like judge somebody for that. But really, that is an expression of somebody being in an, an ultimately of pain. There's something going on inside of somebody's heart and life and their mind that they're acting out in hurt ways. They say things and do things and shame people and criticize. And that's one of our like cultural norms is just to shame and criticize people on the internet, I have reduced, drastically reduced my expression on social media because when I express myself on social media, it is just an environment of sometimes hate and an environment of shame and criticism. And it's like, you know, I was a lot, I, I just had a lot more time in my head and space in my head before I started expressing myself on social media. So I'm just going to back off of this and, and talk about, you know, other things on social media besides like all this, you know, stuff that I deal with. But, but anyway, Paul looks at the outward things and he says, all that, that that you're doing is an expression of what's going on inside. And so I would encourage us to take an inventory and look at the things in our lives. Do you find yourself in this environment of hurt? Do you find yourself in an environment of frustration and anger? Do you find yourself in an environment of insecurity? Or do you find yourself in the environment of peace? Do you find yourself in the environment of love and, and grace? Now I know on the columns on your paper, that you write these things down. I know that some things will end up in frustration, angst, anxiety, depression, um, hurt. I know that there will be a list, no matter what, because we're human beings. And I know that there will be a list. You might have to dig deep. Uh, this is what my counselors have done to me. It's like, write down these things that are good. And sometimes it's really hard to dig out what is good. But I know that there could be some things on both sides of those columns of paper as we do an inventory and we think, what are my general emotions and my expression and my deeds and the things that I do on a daily basis? Maybe we need to look on the outside and say, what am I struggling with? What am I experiencing in my, in my life? And identify some of those things and bring those to our relationship with Jesus, the inside. Bring those to the inside and say, God, change me from the inside out. 
renew my mind, transform my spirit. And inventories, if you ever go to NA or AA, you'll find you know, one of the steps of a recovery program is taking a moral inventory. Because a lot of times we get addicted to things or we inebriate ourselves or we just kind of mask ourselves or, or we numb ourselves because of very, very painful things in our life. It could be something we did or something that was done unto us. And so we take that moral inventory and say, what are, who are the people and what are the situations and what was the environment and how was I raised and how, how am I being treated or how am I treating others in life? We need to take a moral inventory. So then we need to look in. Not only do we need to look out, but we need to look in and then we need to, to really assess Am I just doing a bunch of things, or do I really have a relationship with Jesus? Am I just doing church and doing uh, and and watching this broadcast and 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 just kind of doing the right thing and trying to do the right thing in life? I think that we just all need to just try to do the right thing. Uh, yes, I believe that that is a good way to live. Yet we need to look at the fact or the not fact. Do we have a relationship growing and maturing with our, with our Lord? Everything that Paul says that we do is really just stuff. It's just doing stuff if we don't have this relationship with Jesus. It's not going to get us anywhere. It might help people to like us a little more, or it might make us a little more successful, or we might experience you know, better, like a few better relationships because of it, but it's not doing anything for us eternally. And so I think we need to take a look at our own hearts. Some of our intentions and our motivations, why do we do the things that we do? Uh, is it because we love or do we want attention? Is it because we love or is it because we need something? I, I would say that I've experienced that a lot in the last couple of weeks uh, from others and even myself. When you feel helpless, all you want to do is help. When you feel at loss, all you want to do is gain. When you feel like you're just completely flatlined and losing, all you want to do is experience a little bit of life. This expression, like you just want to gain and just want to win and, and you just want a little life, those can be very toxic if you're not careful. Those can be very damaging to others and yourself if you're not careful. I just want to experience a little life, so I'm just going to party myself right into the night and jump in my car. I mean, that's, that's, a, dangerous, uh, that's a dangerous act right there. Um, I, I just am so hurt. Our expression is, I'm going to feel better by putting other people down. I mean, that, that happens all the time. It's an immaturity that we have. And so as we feel helpless and in chaos and we literally like were in a cloud of smoke last week, literally in a cloud of smoke, and we couldn't see a block and a half away, uh, that's, that's kind of like our insides that when we are clouded with hurt and, and just pain and anxiety, it like... It like fogs our view. We can't see very far down our life road. And because of that, because we're short-sighted in our life, because of the hurt and the pain, 
We're only thinking about just the next moment to feel just a little bit better. And so God says, I'm going to heal your hearts. I'm going to heal your minds. I want to transform your spirit so you can see, so that you can live, that you can have peace, and that you can love, and that you can experience love, and that you would have joy. I think that God really wants that for us. And I think it's time to look in and say, am I seeking after Jesus or am I just seeking after trying to feel good? I think that shift, we need to make that internal shift and that's the transforming of our hearts and our minds that when we shift, God in that moment meets us on that bridge. He meets us in that place and says, if you're turning to me, I'm going to fully, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring into you right now. I'm pouring into you. So what did the first Christians do? I look at Acts 2.38, 2.37, And one of the things that I see is they were devoted. And in that mind shift, all God is asking for is our devotion. That we would turn our feet towards him. That we would turn our feet towards him. That we would that we'd be motivated towards him. That we would pray to him, that we would be focused on him, that we would ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus, what would Jesus experience? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus want in this, in this moment? That, would, that we would have like this, this life of repentance, life of baptism, life of the spirit, uh, life of generosity. All of our core values are just based off of uh, 237 and 9 through 9 in Acts and 2.42, that we would meet together, break bread together, have conversations together, that we'd be devoted to God and devoted to, to people, and that we would be devoted to prayer, we would be devoted to this conversation. And so I, I have to ask, like at this moment, are you devoted? Uh, does this experience on Sunday morning, is this it? Or is there more to, to your life? I've been journaling almost like, I've been trying to journal um, every other day. I'm about every other day, to be honest. I'm not an, I, I struggle every day, just like everybody else. And I get busy, and I have to wake up, and I woke up late, and oh my goodness, you know, I got to get to where I need to go. And, and, you know, the whole idea of the military making their bed, waking up and making their bed, and that's how they started their day, and they live this disciplined life, and next is this. And that, it's not me. I, I, you know, sometimes I wake up late. The bed is a mess. I'm running into the shower. I'm trying to run to my next thing. I'm five minutes late here, five minutes late there. You know, I'm under anxiety because I, I got a lot going on, just like everybody else. And I'm working on my discipline in, in life. And I think that, I think when I journal and I start writing things down and, and writing what I'm feeling and thinking and perceiving in my life and what God is telling me and some directions that he wants me to go just personally, when I write things down, that's a simple rhythm. It's a simple rhythm of my spiritual growth. And I think simple things in our life create a disciplined lifestyle. It creates a disciplined um, expression of our life. And I think the simple rhythms, whatever those are for you, something that pulls you back to grounding, something that pulls you back 
to the inner, something that pulls you back to the lonely places that Jesus went to pray, something that pulls you back to that moment, whatever that is. Maybe you need a reminder. Maybe you need to wear a bracelet. Maybe you need to like carry something around with you. Desmond Tutu has this book, The Book of Forgiving, and he says, carry this rock everywhere you go. Find your grace rock. And you go out and you find it. I found a rounded rock. And I carried that rock around for a week. And every time I reached in my pocket, I was reminded of God's grace. Every time I, I went anywhere, changed my clothes, took off my pants and found something heavy. And oh, that's that rock. I need to like grab that rock and put it in my pants pocket, you know, before I leave home. Or when I reached in my pocket and it wasn't there and I went, Oh no, my grace rock is gone. <laughs> and that was my focus. You know, I had to go find it, you know. And so I think that there's simple things that we can do to, to bring ourselves back to that grounding. And, and the Bible promises, Jesus promises, that when we ground ourselves back to, these, to this relationship with Jesus and these simple rhythms to kind of point our compass back to that Jesus north, up, you know, that back to that, that position of Jesus, that, that he wants to be central in our life, that, that when we have these simple rhythms in our life to point us towards the compass central, that I believe, I believe that that's when our life will be expressed with grace, our life will be expressed with love, more peace, more joy, more satisfaction even, and and Paul even calls out and he says, I'm looking ahead. Not only am I looking out, like what's going on? I'm looking in, what's happening inside. And now I can start to look ahead. And he says, I want to participate with the resurrection of the dead. I want to participate in eternity. I want to participate with heaven. I want to be there. We're the body of Christ. We're the picture of heaven. The body of Christ is supposed to be the picture of heaven. You're going, this is heaven? Uh, yes, this is the picture of heaven. And he says, I'm going to look forward and I want to participate in the resurrection of the dead. I'm looking forward, I'm looking out, I'm looking in, and I'm looking ahead. And that's my motivation. I want to be with Jesus forever. I want the inside to be transformed. I want the outside to be in the expression of the inside. And I can see myself being motivated uh, through that picture of heaven, through that goal, that prize, like I'm running a race and I'm capturing a prize at the end of the marathon. Let's take communion together with that in mind. So this is the body of Christ. And he says, this is the blood of Christ. Do this in remembrance of Jesus. I think about him around that table and who was actually there. Uh, some pretty crazy, crazy people. And he definitely offered them all communion. So as we talk about these things, wherever you are at in life, no matter what, no matter who you are, what you've done, what you've experienced, he says, this is my body given to you, even with all, even with all your stuff, even with all of your failures that you would deem and hurts and habits and hangups, he says, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Lord, this week I just pray that we can take these words of 
just focusing on grace instead of doing and tradition. Lord, that we can focus on and take these inventories, Lord, inside and out, that we can really this week renew, that we can be transformed and realign ourselves, Lord, to that relationship that you call us to, that relationship that you want with us. Lord, help us to be devoted. Help us to be, help us to be focused, Lord, on the inside, being transformed, Lord, by you. So, Lord, we embrace that. We welcome that. Lord, this week, we ask that you would help us with that. Lord, help us to overcome, Lord, some of the hurts that we've experienced, Lord, even over the last six, seven months. Help us to overcome even the chaos and the anxiety that's going on inside of us and just the, just the difficulty of life right now. Help us, Lord, during this time. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your healing, transformation. Lord, and in that transformation, we just ask that we can have the opportunity to express love and grace at every, at every turn in our life. So we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you, Resonate. We're grateful that you joined us. Again, if you want to get connected with us, go to ResonateLife.org. I believe that there's some things above my head um, on this screen or will be above my head on this screen that you can connect with some of our social media channels. You can give to our ministry, connect with our ministry. We love you. Have a wonderful week and God bless you. Take care.